This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. PTB Wrestling Network loyalists and friends, welcome back to uh, this month's episode of uh, one of the most fun and uh, mind-bending podcasts we have here uh, on uh, the uh, the OG Old Reliable. Welcome to this month's episode of Through the Looking Glass. I am your co-host Scott Criscolo. Uh, it has been a lot of fun these first seven episodes. Uh, we've gone all around the timelines of professional wrestling. Uh, we've kind of stayed in the WWF slash E. We did, we did one WCW episode. We're, we're going to, we'll dive into some other stuff in the coming months. Uh, but you know, we all, we know you OGers enjoy us, uh, any topics involving the flamethrower. Uh, speaking of flamethrowers, I'm just going to bring the guy in right now because he throws flames from the other side of the ball of mud that we call earth. He is an OG himself. He's done plenty of stuff here on the network. He uh, he has done some stuff from over our friends at uh, the No So, the North South, the Thunder from Down Under. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. Dave Hall. How are you? Hey Scott, I'm I'm really I'm having a lovely day. It, today's a nice day. I've got the day off work. It's really nice weather down here in Australia for once. Uh, we've we've basically had rain almost every day since the beginning of February. Um, so after the, after the floods have recited and we all got off our, you know, our arcs with all the animals, we've, um, yep. we're able to sit down and, uh, sit down and enjoy the day. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well today, mate. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited. This is, uh, I've really been looking forward to, to recording this episode with you. Not, not so much for the content, but just, I really feel we've got the ball rolling and it's really, really grateful to everyone who's, who's joining us and listening and, and I really appreciate, uh, the journey that you guys are coming on with us. So, I mean, really excited about the way this, uh, this journey has been going. Uh, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. Every episode, I say it every episode, I'm not going to get into all the topics now, but uh, again, this episode, just to, to, to let everyone know this episode, this show is not, uh, this is not episodic in the sense that you have to listen to them in order. We are, they're all standalones. So if you're listening to this right now, and this is the first time that you're putting this podcast on, Hi, welcome. Feel free to keep listening. You're not you're not missing anything from the first seven seven episodes in terms of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, But when we're done, when you're done with this one, feel free to please go back to the top of the catalog with episode one and listen your way through. Because Dave and I have had a ton of fun uh, every month that we've done the show. And and it's been part of kind of the new breed of shows that have dropped here on the PTB Wrestling Network, along with uh, PTBN's Pedestal and YouTube Roulette and a lot of the other great new shows that have uh, uh, that have come down the pike along, of course, with our uh, with our uh, our other OGs. Speaking of OGs, uh, we'll have a new episode of the Place Be Podcast this coming Monday. Uh, we recorded a couple days ago, but JR and I uh, will be doing Royal Rumble 2008. We are entering 2008 of pay-per-view. And uh, just to let everyone know, uh, a future topic that Mr. Hall and I will be doing down the line will involve a guy uh, in 2008. Uh, a personal favorite of mine. So uh, we will be doing that topic down the line. So stay tuned in the coming months for that. Uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, we, it's been a great time, and I love the fact that we do a different topic every every month. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers. Thank you so much for your support, uh, both uh, here on the website and uh, when you follow us on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We do all sorts of um, polls and questions. As a matter of fact, I think uh, later today, uh, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, which is Wednesday, uh, I think Wednesday here in our side of the world for David's some other day that <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise, the Star Trek Enterprise is flying through another universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, go on our Twitter uh, p- at PTBN Wrestling, and we'll, well, I think we may uh, do a question that is pertaining to the topic tonight, and uh, and your thoughts on it. So uh, again, we've had some great stories: CM Punk, Ultimate Warrior, Scott Hall, Goldberg, The Rumble, Mania, just all sorts of great topics. Tonight's topic is not unpredictable. I think this is a very uh, easy. Uh, looking glass topic because this is one that's talked about by a ton of of wrestling fans um considering one of the biggest superstars in wwe at the moment had a similar journey and his was executed the guy the what what happened to wrote to that guy did not happen to the guy we're talking about tonight so dave hall why don't you uh set the table for us get us started yeah well look um i think you know we've for many of us, uh, those of us who've been wrestling fans for a long time, one of the things that I think the WWF likes to to put out there, uh, likes to part of the image they like to present, is that Vince and his Vince McMahon and his uh, the people he works with like to listen to the fans and like to really see the fans interact with things and respond to the way the fans are reacting. And I think the one of the most famous uh, examples of that is. The rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he, the fans started to build behind him, and and they turned him face. And and obviously, we had the great career of Stone Cold. The same could be said for The Rock. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rock's the Rock's uh, uh, face turn was uh, both heel turn and face turn were were predicated on on the reactions that the fans were giving their growing uh, presence on the show. But I think one of the biggest criticisms of the World Wrestling Entertainment for the last. Oh, we're probably looking at nearly 20 years now has been the fact that there has been occasions when the fans have clearly indicated their position on a particular superstar and the company haven't uh, taken it on board and maybe run with the idea, uh, run with the, the opportunity to, build into that and turn someone face or heel. And I think the biggest example of that has been the uh, career of John Cena. John Cena um, has for many years, for many years of his career, he was the, the person the fans loved to boo and yet was consistently presented as a face. And you consistently read through the time when, when it was happening, I remember you know, my fan journey, uh, living this through, and I know you would have been living it through, Scott, as well. We consistently mm-hmm. saw on 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 the internet, whether it be chat sites, forums, you know, the early days of Facebook, people throwing out there the need to turn John Cena heel. When are they going to turn John Cena heel? And they never did. Vince never did. And I'm obviously talking about after his fan-encouraged face turn, in uh, in 2003 2004 we're talking about after that when he's been on this journey of of the 
the top face of the company, they never turned him heel again, despite the fact he was one of the most heavily booed people in the company. And so the question has to be asked, was there ever a right time to, to turn John Cena heel again? Would it have worked and how might that have looked? And I think that's the that's what we're going to explore today. That's that's our topic as we go through the glass today is could John Cena could a John Cena heel turn have worked? I think I think it's a really interesting question, especially when you when you look at and we'll get into this very shortly, when you look at some of the things that happened in recent years. I think it's a really Really interesting uh, thing to consider, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But but Scott, I want to ask you. I mean, John Cena's been around since well, since two thousand and two, and I know he's pretty or semi-retired now. But he he made his 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 first appearance uh, on SmackDown in in what was it? It was probably around this time, around that that, that May June two thousand and two, I think, when he made his first appearance on uh, SmackDown and uh, and sort of had that match against. Uh, Kurt Angle and then had his that match against The Undertaker to sort of really get his name noticed. So he's been around a while. What were your early impressions of John Cena? Well, I remember, uh, I mean, let, let's let's look back uh, for a moment, uh, uh, Dave, to 2002 uh, WWE um, F. It started as an F, ended as an E. Uh, they got the F. They got the F out. I mean, they, they got the get... F out. <laughs> so that's so ridiculous. Um, let's. And if you want a good, and I tell you, I've been enjoying it immensely. If you want a great snapshot or journey itself into that year, check out the um, ruthless aggression series that is on uh, for those like Dave overseas, the WWE Network for us here in America, of course, on Peacock. Uh, the Ruthless Aggression series. Uh, they have different chapters on different aspects of of thing, uh, uh, different um, uh, topics pertaining to Ruthless Aggression. One of them is indeed John Cena. There's one on evolution. There's one on the women's division. There's one on Hollywood Rock. There's you know, a bunch of the SmackDown 6, like all that stuff. Well, sort of the SmackDown 6, more like SmackDown 5 and the Mystery 6 guy. Uh, <laughs> um, and there is one one episode on... Uh, John Cena. And I remember looking back and I and I knew that O2 was the year that there we were going to be in transition. The Monday Night War was over. Uh, we won. If you're a WWE fan, if you're a WCW fan, you didn't. But we were usually a fan of both. So we we won period as fans. Um, we had, of course, uh, we had, of course. Um, Steve Austin leaving. We had the controversial. uh, uh Took his ball and went home. That was in June, because or was it late May? I think it was early June because, uh, if you remember, he left because he he didn't want to not put Brock Lesnar over. He didn't want to put him over live uh, on free TV with uh, with no uh, build. With no build, it was. It was fact, the, the, they they were booking him. It was going to be a a, a build up like a first round or a preliminary match in the King of the Ring tournament. So absolutely no build at all. No, and you're talking about a guy that you know, arguably the the, the best of all time, um, and just gave you a, a, his entire body and soul for a whole year in 2001 with the uh, with the invasion storyline and such. So, uh, he just wanted he had no problem putting over Brock Lesnar. 
build it up, to put, put him and I in the finals and have us wrestle at the King of the Ring pay-per-view. Nope, we want to do it this way. And they're like, well, you're treating me like shit. Goodbye. So that happened. Uh, the Rock was kind of in and out. He came back. And, uh, of course, he he obviously was going to win the title, therefore, to get the belt on uh, Brock Lesnar. So the company as a whole was kind of in a strange state of flux, uh, as with the Attitude Era, uh, or as the Ruthless Aggressive Era would indicate. Uh, also, I, I definitely would love to promote a great podcast over on the other side of the quad. Our good friends at the NOSO have the uh, Jake Williams does the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast, which is an exceptional mm. snapshot. I, I did an episode actually with Jake of uh, uh, SummerSlam 2002. So check not just that episode, but check out all of them. They're all great. Um, so when John Cena first walked out, I'm like, who's this fucking meathead? I mean, like, yeah, he had those, those, the, the boring tights and the spiky hair and he was freaking ripped. And I'm like, oh, this is such a Vince guy. Look at him. Yeah, such he a just, Vince he guy screamed, right he screamed white meat baby face. Yeah. He was, he was about as exciting as ice cream. That's about as exciting. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was literally about as exciting as a nap. That's about as, and I'm like. Are you joking? And he ended up having a couple of matches with uh, uh, with Kurt Angle. So I got to be honest, uh, Dave, I was not impressed. <laughs> I was no. not impressed coming out of the no. gate. Uh, no, I, he I, was I, just he was just blah. You know, we also saw the debut of Orton. So uh, Randy Orton during the stretch. So we're talking about the uh, class of O2 uh, OVW, which, of course, as you know, was freaking loaded during the attitude era when when the when wwe was on fire meanwhile down in kentucky uh you had brock and shelton benjamin and john cena and randy orton and i mean it's just the place is just batista. loaded yeah, batista was, yeah. i mean it was jacked and now it was time with the attitude era over austin on the outs rock clearly ready to to go to hollywood and and do that um, at the time we didn't have a Shawn Michaels, you know, he would eventually come back as part of the NWO, which was stupid. Then he had the, you know, what would be one of my favorite matches with triple H at SummerSlam 02, but we didn't know when at the time he was supposed to be sticking around. So the company needed a little freshening up and it was time to kind of open the floodgates from OVW and get these studs in there. And Cena was just so bland um so i gotta be honest dave when i first saw him on tv i went this guy's gonna last about five months <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of that yeah and, yeah uh, so I, I don't know what about you yeah look i think i had similar thought he, he didn't he didn't capture my imagination right at the beginning i mean he came in and he had that that, that i mean he had a solid match with kurt i mean kurt but kurt can wrestle anyone kurt could wrestle Kurt Angle could wrestle the broomstick and make you think the broomstick will beat him. That's how good Kurt Angle yep. was. And so yes, he was. to have this match with Kurt Angle, that sort of Kurt Angle comes out having looks like he's just survived. Well, that's just, that's Kurt Angle. And I think that was more the Kurt Angle storyline that they were doing at the time rather than anything about John right. Cena. They did right. the the match with The Undertaker. And again, it, it felt more it was about The Undertaker maybe being caught by surprise. He gave his respect afterwards. But, I mean, it really didn't – he didn't – Cena did not seem like he had 
anything to him. And he wasn't really promoted as much. Anyway, like Orton came in as the third generation superstar. Like, you know, I mean, he was young. He they hadn't they hadn't sorted out his his character yet or his gimmick. But the fact of the matter was Orton was brought in as at the same time. And this is all the brand split just after the brand split in the draft and they needed right. extra people to build up. So Orton came in being promoted as a future star. This guy is third generation. This guy has all the, you know, all the bloodlines to make him a, a legend. Like that, that was from the beginning and Orton got injured quick, but Orton was always, promoted as this guy's going to be a star batista came in as he at least came in with a character it might have been the worst one in the world maybe maybe we've got to do a batista thing one day but i mean coming in as as deacon batista for the reverend devon i mean it was it was bad but it was that terrible but it was that body i guess it was that bodyguard sort of thing but they were able to transition that they got rid of the religious element switch him over to to raw put him in evolution and he's with you know he becomes that initially i always felt it was like a bodyguard sort of thing for flair and triple a but you know he was doing that sort right. of game his size made him stand out batista's size made him stand out cena just came across bland and there was nothing to him they didn't he didn't really talk he didn't really do much he he came across white meat baby face you know takes a bit of a beating tries to get the fans cheering for him it's what they brought the rock in like and it got the same outcome i mean everyone knows that you know the rock was brought in with that you know slapping hands and you know Mm -hmm. smiling and and everyone turned on him and, and then they they turn the rock heel and, and you know, the rest is history. Um, Cena had that same feeling. He was smiling and doing his best and yeah, he just didn't stand out. And um, I, I, I didn't think much of him and, and I don't think anyone, I mean, the, the company likes to put out this perception, you know, whether you listen to the DVDs, you talked about the ruthlessly aggressive, um, the ruthless aggression, um series on on the network whether mm-hmm. it's that whether it's you know interviews over time john cena dvds or whether it's you know that time period dvd or or whatever interviews with anyone they try to put out this thing of from the moment we saw john cena we knew he was money we knew he was destined to be a star but i don't believe that for one minute because that's not how he was presented he was not presented in that way. Of of that early crop that came in, I feel he was presented with the least backing and the least push and the least anything behind him of that group we've just talked about. And it wasn't until that whole Halloween vanilla ice thing happened that they they started looking at doing anything with him. And and the the rumor mill that runs around is that he was basically on the verge of being released when that occurred yeah i mean he was and after the 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 jericho stuff and then the uh, sorry the jericho stuff the um the, the kurt angle stuff and the match with taker he uh he ended up just kind of getting mishmashed into the mid card and was eventually just turning you know he was looking at the lights more than 1988 89 honky tonk man uh and you knew that if this guy wasn't going to get his act together uh, he was in he was in deep shit uh, and was 
you know, gone. But we saw, you know, he kind of got that kind of hip hoppy thing going on through, you know, that came mm. from his childhood in, in West Newberry, the, Mass. The, the vanilla rice thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, he started doing the the and this is where I actually started to attach myself to him, because as some of you probably know, listening to some of our other shows that I'm on, I am a, a sports jersey collector. Uh, so I have a pretty a pretty decent cachet of jerseys in my closet. So when when that gimmick started and he started wearing different uh, vintage uh, sports jerseys, I was like, all right, I think I can kind of hook on this now. Like this is a nice little gimmick. So to his to his uh, credit, uh, Dave, uh, Cena realized I gotta I I have to take care of myself or I'm screwed. Um, and sure enough, he did that. He took care of himself and he figured something out. He figured out what he could do to uh uh you know he figured out what he could do to um uh get over with the crowd and that was it uh the heel turn was kind of cool you know he had he he ended up uh, hooking up uh, another guy that was probably about to get fired uh bull buchanan b2 and and uh you know he spent most of three as a pretty valuable cog uh in smackdown's mid card um he ended up getting a kind of a random title shot at backlash with, uh, with Brock. Um, he wrestled taker. He had, you know, he had some, some decent moments that kind of led him into Oh four. And then we'll go from there. But, uh, remember the, the episode of SmackDown where he got to smack, uh, Vince, uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon's ass. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he felt kind of, he got to kind of smack her in the butt so that, you know, he was getting over. He was, he was, and the best part about it, Dave, and I'm curious your thoughts here. He uh he got over very simply. It wasn't rocket science to get uh him over and and to figure out something to get him over with the fans. It's, it was very simple, very organic, not mm. forced like another guy later in the decade, uh, later in the following decade that would be a problem that that would be forced. Well, you know, you know who I'm referring to and now he's mm. the <clears throat> head of the table. Yeah. Um similar situation, but in this case, at least early on, the fans were okay with it because he was in the mid card. You know, the, the top of the card on SmackDown at that moment was Kurt and Brock, and they were still feuding over the um, the world title. Uh, so Cena had a chance to kind of, you know, sow his oats and stretch his wings a bit and kind of build his character without a lot of pressure. Absolutely, um, it, it was it was as organ- it, it was that organic thing. It's like we were, what I was saying at the, uh, at the intro there about sort of Austin and Rock. Like it was an organic thing. Um, he found a character that worked. He he plugged into the 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 freestyle rap thing and 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 tagged into an arrogance that an arrogance. I love the way he would tear down. Uh, you know, it was the whole jersey thing was was the wearing the opposing like the wherever they were having the show wearing the the jersey of like the hated opponent or the or the the the, 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 the rivalry thing. And and he did such a good job, and it built. But but then, like every good character, the fans started to latch onto it because he was entertaining. He he found something that worked. It became entertaining. Yep. And to be fair, he worked hard in the matches that he was having, and was organically growing. And and you could see that. And and the impact was the fans started to respond positively to his efforts to be a heel. Sounds like Austin. Sounds like Rock. We, we've we've been mm-hmm. down this path before, 
And the WWE responded and then they organically turned him babyface. And and he and he goes, I remember that sort of coming into that Survivor Series match where he got looped into the the I think it was Eddie Guerrero's Survivor Series team against Kurt Angle. He was like the last member of the team to right. to to join whatever. And 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 they built him and then and then they are were able to build him into that following year. He he wins the United States title. He he goes into a series of you know that mid card character development um, was happening. They I remember they toured Australia. They he did the best of was it best of five with with Carlito or uh, best of seven? Who did he do that? Was that that wasn't with Carlito? It was with Booker. No, it was with Booker. It was a Booker. Booker. Yeah, they did one was, of them. I'm pretty sure it was best of seven. I think it was best seven. of seven. Yeah, and they did one of the matches down here in Australia right, on on tour, and I was actually at that show, and that that made. Oh, nice. That made a good that made a good kick because it was a house show, but they really talked up. This was one I think it was it might have even been match one or match three of the series, but they even talked it up and then they referred to it the following week on the on 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 Raw on SmackDown that it had happened. But it it was this organic build up. He was he was being built. He was growing. He gained that pop- popularity. He reaches the pinnacle of the SmackDown brand. He he wins the title at WrestleMania. Um, WrestleMania 21 totally deserved it. He 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 had been built organically, and the fans were behind him, and it all looked so good for him. You know, he wins the the SmackDown one. Batista wins Raw against um, you know Batista had his organic turn, and you really felt like you had two stars on the rise that were going to dominate the company for for years to come who the crowd the fans had built which is what wrestling was all about but then something happened in late later that year something happened that the fans started to turn on him and i guess I want to ask you the question scott what what in your opinion was it about I've got my opinions, but I want to hear yours first. What was it about mm-hmm. John Cena that why did the fans start to turn on him in that sort of late 05 into 06? And I mean, it happened well before One Night Stand. We know that. Well before One Night Stand 06 against RVD, it happened long before then. It was yep. happening in late 05. So what do you think it was about Cena that the fans started to turn, turn against because it had been so organic and he his rise to the – SmackDown title was was natural, organic, and fan led. Why did they turn on him? Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the opponents. Um, let's re- let's remember that when the build started at the beginning of '05 uh, of him, um, you know, building to the world title, they. You know, he tied technically tied Batista at the Rumble um, that year in in Fresno. I think it was in Fresno. And then remember Vince, uh, you know, something weird happened and Vince came out all pissed off and he ended up popping both his quads. And um, uh, it was obviously supposed to be um, Batista winning, but Batista fell out (laughs) with Cena. Mm. So the best thing about 05 was... um, that you had these two guys that were both over Cena and Batista and the 
Um, the the thing was, Batista needed to win the Rumble because, um, it, it because him quote making a decision involved Triple H and the whole Evolution breakdown. Like it had to happen. Yeah. So Batista Batista needed to win, um, the uh, the Rumble because uh, that was part of his storyline. So Cena ended up, they ended up doing a tournament on SmackDown and him and here's the weird part. Him and Kurt Angle wrestled in the final of that tournament uh, at No Way Out 05 in Pittsburgh, which was, you know, Kurt's hometown. Mm. Cena won and Cena got a great pop. Fast forward to WrestleMania and the funny thing about that match is that at the time, JBL, and this might be a, a topic, just a random topic for another day, JBL uh, was finally, I think, getting over as a great um, heel. Like, I know a lot of people thought his, his uh, the heel turn and the, the title went over Eddie and everything, and that whole run was pretty lousy. First off, the matches he had with Taker, not to go off topic, but I'm just kind of, it's kind of building me up to the to the WrestleMania 21 match. Uh, you know, Cena, uh, JBL had those two lousy matches with with Undertaker. Mm. Um, and by the time we got to like Armageddon 04, JBL was finally getting over as a uh as a heel and his title reign actually started becoming kind of cool. And by the time we got excited about it, um, he was losing. Mm. He would end up losing the belt to, uh, to Cena at WrestleMania 21. Now at this point, uh, Cena and Batista were split up. So obviously a lot of people think, both both of them winning that night uh was um overkill maybe one of the matches should have ended schmazi but vince loved both guys he loved cena he loved he wanted them to both get their moment at wrestlemania and that's exactly what happened so you know they just obviously in terms of the overall sculpture of the company Vince thought that Batista Triple H was a little meatier of a match than JBL and Cena. Now, Cena was over like crazy because he wasn't JBL. So he would win the rematch at Judgment Day that year in an amazing, amazing uh, uh, rematch, that I quit match at Judgment Day 05 in, Minne- in um, is it Nashville. Oh, I can't remember. I think it was, but it was Minneapolis. a great match. It was Minneapolis. Yeah, I think it was Minneapolis. It was an awesome match. Then he moved to Raw. Then after the Triple H Batista feud ended, they flip flopped. Cena would go to Raw. Batista would go to SmackDown to freshen up the 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 feud, the matchups. Cena would feud with with Jericho. I mean, I have a point coming, Dave. Don't worry, I have a point. Coming. That's all right. Cena would feud. Cena because <laughs> the opponents is what the th- is is the is hmm. the key thing for me. That's why I want to focus on his opponents because it's the opponents that 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 leads to the, to the crowd switch. That's where I'm getting at the matches he would have with, with Jericho that summer 
you know, they'd have the match at SummerSlam. Then the next night, if you remember, they'd have a rematch the next night. Jericho lost and he would, quote, get fired from the company. Of course, Jericho was leaving to go do Fozzie stuff and would be back in a couple years. But who, who jumped him that Raw, if you remember, that Raw the night after SummerSlam 05 and restarted the feud? Well, the answer was Kurt Angle. Now, twice before in, in John Cena's career, he hooked up with Kurt Angle and got the benefit of the doubt because Kurt was an awesome heel. Plus, it was kind of more of a, mid-ish, a mid-card-ish feud. But now you're at the point, the crowd was like, all right, Cena, you've had a good, you've had a great run as champion. Uh, you know, time now for you to lose to a heel and kind of rebuild yourself. And then Kurt Angle comes along, who, as you mentioned, is a wrestler's wrestler, a fan favorite. Um, and when they saw that, they realized, oh, uh, okay. Um, now it's time for, uh, for Cena to lose the title and do rebuild and so, but then when he started winning, he, you know, Kurt didn't get the belt at, at Unforgiven 05. And as the year was continuing, suddenly it's like, oh Jesus, this freaking guy's not going to lose. And, uh, then the fans were like, all right, we've kind of had enough of this now. And the jorts. And, the uh, you know, the, the ugly looking shirts and yeah, that, that stuff started to, um, the, the, the male fans are starting to get like, Oh Jesus, he's not cool anymore. You know, you know, what's funny, uh, Dave, it kind of reminds me if you think about it of diesel and we've talked about diesel on yeah. the past episodes, diesel was cool when he was a heel. Then end of 94, he turns baby face, wins the world title. And suddenly he's not really as cool as he was when he was a heel. Hmm. Same thing here. He was not cool anymore. He was a dork. And the the shirts were getting uglier. And when 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 the guy fans started realizing that the chicks were cheering him and the little kids were cheering him, they're like, oh, screw this. I'm not rooting for the guy that the chicks like. Seriously. And from that point on, the male demographic wrestling fan made it a point to not cheer John Cena Mm. because at that point now, all of the, uh, all of the opponents that he would face from here on out were all all guys fans liked the male fan liked more. Mm. And it really took a turn when he started feuding with edge when edge cashed in, that money in the bank, Dave, at New Year's Revolution 06, mm. that Albany crowd went batshit when Edge cashed in on Cena. I don't think it would have worked with anybody else. But see, but Edge was a heel. Or was he? And here's <laughs> where you get and here's where you get the weird, uh, the weird um uh crowd dynamic for the next. I would say six years. Um, oh, I think I think it lasted longer. Do you really think so? I want to talk. Yeah. I want to dive into that. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I kind of want to get in a little bit. A little bit later on, I want to kind of get yeah. into where we think it turned. But hmm. but that's where I think. I think I think the reason the crap the fans turned was because the opponents 
started getting more male fan friendly when Cena started becoming less male fan friendly. Mm. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. And, and, and I think you've, I think you've hit, you've hit it pretty, pretty well there. Um, I think the, the opponents was a big thing, especially who Cena, uh, Cena ends up facing when he, when he moves over to raw, like you said, Jericho and angle, both very popular with, with wrestling fans and guys who were always popular heel. Like they might be, presented as the heel, but everyone loved them. Those two in particular. But I want to take it back a notch because I think the, I personally think it's not just the, the, who they're wrestling. I think that the, the root cause of it lay in the brand switch in, in switching him and Batista over the brands, because what I felt was happening, and I remember there was a bit of backlash when it happened, when they did that, or there was a bit of online backlash at that point, because the thing was Batista had the organic turn of Batista and the, and the turning on evolution, and Batista, how he was presented, he was, there was something special about what they'd done with that turn that, you know, I agree with what you said. It, his storyline with Triple H was the biggest storyline going into mania and coming out of mania, he had his rematches, but he was presented as he wasn't this muscle head. He was very intelligent. He was clued into what was all the shenanigans that, that triple H and flair had been trying to pull that. I, I love that build up of his storyline where triple H and Hunter would be Triple H and Hunter, Triple H and Flair would be <laughs> Triple H. Is, he's cloned himself. He had, there's two of him. Maybe that's what was going on. There's two of him all these years. That would have been the greatest thing in the history of wrestling, Gabe. <laughs> well, Let's I think he was. I think <laughs> Hunter was wanting to build to a match with himself. I'm sure of it. Um, Triple H and Flair would be talking behind Batista's back and making fun of him, and then you get those camera shots where Batista was listening in and. And he knew what was going on. And the whole the whole storyline had been built around. He was very intelligent. And the fans really rallied and I, I, I and took to him. So when his feud with Triple H was finished, he was, without a shadow of a doubt, the number one guy on Raw. And in fact, I believe he, in popularity stakes, he was the number one guy in the company at that time, probably maybe second to Undertaker. Undertaker's got that. We, we put him on a separate pedestal. We, 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 won't, we won't include him in that conversation. But Tr- Batista was the number one guy. And then they went and did the brand switch. And Batista goes to SmackDown and Cena comes to Raw. And I think there was an element where I think, firstly, I think a lot of fans were annoyed that He's just finished, Batista's just finished the series with Triple H. Mm-hmm. They're ready for him to start facing the other guys, the, the, the Jerichos, the Angles, that we want to see him start to move through some of the other guys and, and have some series of matches with them. I think that was part of it. Then all of a sudden we've got Cena coming over, having those matches instead, and Batista goes over and he gets the feud with JBL, who... You talked about how good he'd become, and yet very quickly, he felt just as quick, felt just as old. Like he felt like he reached his use by date by the time Batista came over, and you had it. You had this, you know, another match. You know that sort of carried on. So 
I feel that the fans were a bit upset that the company took the guy they saw as number one in the company, moved him elsewhere before he had a chance to have these matches, and then bring Cena over and push him the exact way Batista had been getting pushed. And I think a lot of fans were looking at it going, this should be Batista's story arc still, not Cena's. And I think that was the that was the start of it. Um, they then had him go over the, the Jerichos and the Angles and then everything that you started saying, I think that was sort of the follow-up. But I think that that movement was the foundation of it. And there are a lot of people who did not like that. And I was one of them. I, I love Batista. I think I'm very high on Batista. Me too. And um, I really, really wish that they had not they could have switched them 12 months later. They could have done it the following year. Let them have a year in the brand and work other guys. And then once they've exhausted all that, switch them over and let them have the same run against the opposite guys. And and I think it would have worked better. But, you know, as we said, the fans started turning on Cena and, and, and it, you know, Edge and, you know, then they, they put him in the – I mean, that that one-night one stand match against RVD was the biggest standout. I mean, he was always going to get booed in that setting. Um, that was a that was an amazing night, that 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 show. Yes. I really wish I could have been there. I mean, living down here in Australia, we just get to see it on TV and DVD. And, but right. I really – that was – that's if there's any show I, I look back historically and go, gee, it would have been cool to be in that crowd. I think that would have been one of them. Um, and then – and then you look at what they did. Like you talked about, the fans were cheering these guys that were who the guys liked against Cena. So then the company went and did what they did with Hogan. Well, let's start putting him against all these monsters, against all these guys that are massive and, you know, who's the who's the monster of the month sort of thing. And, and Cena has this run to try and counter that. Like if he's if we take away the the angles and the edges and the RVDs and the guys who people are going to cheer against him because of who they are. Maybe we can get him cheered against these other guys. But I think by then the ship had sailed and everyone was sick of him. Like you said, he wasn't cool anymore. And then the, the perception of he's being pushed down our throat starts to, it, it really felt like they're, they're booking him the way they booked Hogan. This is just the new Hulk Hogan. Uh, face the big monster, overcome the big monster, move on to the next monster. And it just, that's, it was the WWE's, I think, to counter the crowd, to try and get people to be sympathetic to Cena. But they, it just, it wasn't working. It, it didn't work. And, and I think that's, um, you know, that, that's something that they had to, they, they were battling with for years afterwards. Yeah, the the funny about the one night stand six match, uh, Dave, is that um, that may be the first time he, even if it was just for half an hour, he embraced being the bad guy just a little bit because mm. he knew he might as well have not even tried because he looked out there in the demographic and he looked at that crowd and ninety eight point seven percent of that crowd. Were 35 to 40, uh, 30, 25 to 45 year old guys who either A, just hate his guts, or B, were old school ECW fans who truly hated his guts. Mm. And in the ring, next to maybe Tommy Dreamer or Shane Douglas, you had the face of ECW in the ring. 
in, in Rob Van Dam. And you're going to walk out there and do your bah, 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 do your cute little dance and all your bullshit. Mm. Seen as like, you know what? Fuck them. They don't like it too bad. So my favorite, my legitimate favorite Cena moment in those first many years was his entrance at One Night Stand 06 when he's like, you know what? I'm just going to walk down the aisle, hold the belt up in the air and say, I got it. He doesn't. Fuck you. And it was very reminiscent you know? of the character that he had been as a heel. It, it, it was like he tapped back into that that early Cena character to 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 play it off because he he really just it was that very much I'm the man I'm the man and you can all just get stuffed pretty much pretty much and he you know he he knew like all right if I throw my shirt in the crowd none of these fucking clowns are gonna keep it. So what did he do? Threw the shirt. Shirt went back. Threw the shirt. Shirt went back. It was classic. And I'm going to quote our good friend, good old Will. Will from good old Will from Texas. It was classic like Lawler, Austin Idol, Memphis of the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Ham the crowd up for a good three or four minutes. Get them just all swole and like ready to ready to fight. And that. That crowd at Hammerstein that night might have been one of the greatest crowds of the last like 15, 16 years at one single show, even more than 05, because one night stand 05 was a nostalgia show mm. that that was it. One night stand 06, however, Dave, uh, they did put some elements of the current creative product in there now. Dave, you know, Vince was like, all right, I've had yeah. enough of this uh, vintage ECW shit. We're going to do it my way now. And, mm. you know. But having like the the Bischoff guys up there, well, that this was 05. That was that was kind of fun. But the best part of it was Cena not caring. Yeah. The problem was it was only that for those that wanted a heel turn, it was just that one night in that one setting. And he knew that Monday night he was gonna be back where he wanted to be with the twenty thousand fans, eleven and a half of them girls and ten year olds, mm-hmm. and I'll be back where I belong. So if there was ever an inkling of what could be a pretty sweet John Cena heel turn, that half hour of the main event of One Night Stand 06 was probably it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it was it was. It, and, and look, for all those all those people, um, and I'm sure there's none of them that listen to 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 the, this podcast network. But for all those people out there who would say Cena can't work, can't work a match, can't wrestle and can't work a match. And there's two elements there. There's there's the the grappling and the technique and there's the ability to work the crowd. You watch that match. You can't deny that Cena can work, and 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 that, that's that that's a common thing. Like you watch a lot of his matches, you can't deny Cena can work. He was he was very good, not just with what he did in the ring, but with how he dealt with the crowd at times. The problem was too often the way he was written as a character, he'd shrug it off like the whole. You know, in later years, it was the whole, oh, you know, you can cheer for who you want and who you can boo for who you want. And that's what I love about the universe. And isn't everyone great? And I'm just going to continue to smile and, and go on. And that I, I always found that more frustrating than anything. I would have rathered at least what we saw at One Night Stand with the, well, you're not going to like me tonight. I'm still going to be true to myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. I think, you know, you, you, had, you had a bit of a he, – he played it himself that night. At other times, it was written in a, in a bad way. 
and it's it, and, and I think it impacted his presentation over the years. But and we, we could talk about Cena for for a long time. But I want to ask this question before we start looking at at some of the things like you just suggested one at 06 and we'll probably come back to that shortly. But I want to ask, why do you think that WWE never pulled the trigger on a heel turn? Now, for, for Cena, and I ask it with us now having the benefit of seeing how successful Roman Reigns' heel turn has been. Now, Roman Reigns was being pushed very similar to John Cena a few years ago it was the he's our number one guy we're going to push him we don't care if the fans boo him we're still going to just keep presenting him as the face of the company which is what they did with Cena for years I don't think it had the same impact that it was had for Rain Reigns it didn't have the same impact with Reigns that it did with Cena but then we've got this heel turn with Cena that with Reigns that's just worked amazing and it's been such a great character development for him so we can see that it worked. We don't have this. I mean, obviously, Cena's career is all before that, but we can see that WWE still know how to do heel turns that work and can still write a compelling character arc and a, and, and mm-hmm. a journey that draws the fans in, that can take your top baby face, make him your top heel, and fans will still respond to that guy as the face of the company. Why did they never do it with Cena, do you think? Merchandise. I think I think for a long time, uh Pete, I think Vince was was nervous about sales of merch. Uh because let's be honest, uh, Dave, a decent hunk of the merchandise sales of John Cena stuff is bought by Girls and young kids, like young boys, like in their, you know, toddlers into their, you know, pre-teen. By the time you're a teenager, you're digging edge because he's, you know, having sex shows in the ring and has double entendres and hot women around him uh, and other such heels um, and even tougher baby faces. Uh, But for Vince, Vince started to notice and and it's changed now because the t-shirts a lot of them have gotten pretty solid um a lot of the t-shirts in the mid 2000s were not great uh and cena's shirts were successfully being bought by uh kids and and females so I think Vince was always scared of biting the hand that fed it and a Cena heel turn because guys, guys are very picky about their t-shirts and their, their wrestling merch, Dave. I've been that way. I'm sure you are too for years and years. I, I'm very picky about t-shirts. Let me tell you something. And I'm, I'm honest when I say this, there have been some triple H t-shirts that I didn't buy. Cause I thought they were pretty butt ugly. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't own every single Triple H T-shirt that ever came out because there were some that were pretty brutal. Um, but John Cena fans are loyal to the end. And regardless of what weird color it was, light power, light royal blue and orange. It's funny, Dave, because a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a, a few of Cena's 
color combos were my favorite sports teams. Like I'm a Met fan, so there was royal blue and, and orange. Uh, he did a Laker one. He had Laker color, uh, you know, purple and gold. I don't know if he ever did a Bruins one. Did he ever do a black and gold? I don't think so. No. Uh, he never did a Cowboy. But anyway, he did a few. Never really saw him in black. I think they intentionally steered clear of the black because the black would have. That's a great point. That would have that would have presented more of the heel concept. I think. I agree with you 100. I think the only time he ever wore black is when he um when he wore the 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 football jersey that looked like Brian Pillman's the black and and orange football jersey. That was different. And if you remember, then they went to a camo football jersey. So they didn't mm. stick. You're, you're exactly right on that. They didn't stick with the black football jersey very long. But I think the main reason <clears throat> that Vince was afraid of pulling the trigger was merch. Because the average re- male wrestling fan is a lot pickier about his t-shirts and his merch than the... um. Cena fan, which was mostly females and younger males who thought every T-shirt was cool looking. And, the you know, the armbands, the wristbands, the 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 headband, like all that crap. All that stuff catered to the younger demo, which is the demo that spends money. That's honestly what it comes down to, Dave. But that, our, but demo- that- our demographic didn't spend money like the younger demographic did. But that to me, I, I agree with you. But in the counter of that, mm-hmm. Austin Austin sold a ton of shirts as a heel, and not just. I know that he was uh, he was a heel building the baby face in 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 '96, but but even in '01, he was he was turned heel and was still te- selling a ton of merch. Rock always sold a ton of merch as a heel. Um, you know, we, you know, and and I I just. Yeah, and and I guess yeah, you, know, you look at the the NWO, and I know this was W that was WCW, not WWE. But the fact of the matter is, the NWO outsold probably anyone else's merchandise when they were in WCW, and and that I, I think to say that by turning someone heel, you can affect their merchandise sales. I think it's it's it can't be the whole story because we've seen times when guys are heels and their merch is still sells through the roof maybe not as much as a baby face but certainly sells through the roof so I, I i agree with you to an extent but i think you can argue you can counter argue it by saying hey they've done it before and then the counter argument comes back again that well that was the same argument that everyone was trying to put forward for roman reigns well they're not going to turn him because of the merchandise because he was but 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 they did it, and mm-hmm. and and from all accounts, and I, I mean I only go off. I mean I'm I'm not an insider, and no, no, neither are you. And I can only mm-hmm. go off what you what what you read. But what you read online seems to indicate that that Rome, Roman Reigns is still amongst the best merchandise pushers as this heel character um, now, if not. If not at the top, like he's certainly close to it. So that's at least some of the stuff that I've seen online and some of the little bits and pieces you see around. So, yeah, I, I agree with the merchandise thing. I agree that um, the younger kids and there was there was an element of those guys, you know, an element of the fan base that was with him at all times, and that 
you know, we had a, it was a 50, 50, you got this 50, 50 audiences. So it was never, you know, never fully healed on, but, um, yeah, you, you can certainly argue that they've, they've turned guys here before and, and seen that it doesn't impact merchandise as much as they would look, would think it does. Mm-hmm. I think the difference there though, Dave, to counter the counter of the counter is that Austin's t-shirts were still cool looking <laughs> and anybody would still buy them. Whereas again, unless you were a diehard Cena fan, mm. no one was going to buy all that. Like all the colors just were not colors that the average wrestling fan will wear. Listen, I'm not right. a fan of black wrestling t-shirts. I like, I like different colors, but at the time it was all so bright. I think, I mean, there were a couple that were cool. Uh, I know one, uh, one, uh, the T-shirt that kind of mimicked the AWA logo—that was a cool T-shirt. Uh, that was about it in that aspect. But I don't disagree with you that depending who the person was is how good the T-shirts carry over from face to mm. heel. I will not disagree with you on that. Uh, but I do feel like Cena, Cena's merch did not carry over. Would not have carried over because. Maybe he'd have had cool T-shirts and maybe the fan base, the the older fan base that would have dug him as a heel would have bought it. But, <coughs> excuse me, the honest truth is, not the honest truth, but my opinion is, I don't think the merch would have carried over. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, like I said, but, I think I think that, that that's probably a fair reflection. You know, you talk that the colors are not going to carry. They would have had to completely reinvent him. Um, right. And... And I guess we're going to – that's some of the things we're about to consider and look at what could have happened. But they would have had to reinvent him and 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 redo all – you know, a whole new line of merch. And that it would have been – it probably would have been very difficult to – it would have taken time to get the momentum behind it. Um, you know, even, even a successful heel turn, they would have had to have changed all the colours, changed the shirts, changed what they were doing. And so the old merch would have – they would have been stuck with all this old merch that wouldn't have moved – while you're waiting for anything new to come out and they've got to work out, well, what's the new going to look like? So I, th- I think there's, there's some, there's some good, there's some strong points you've got there. Mm. So, but um, yeah, look, let, let, let's, let's, we, we, we've a couple of times already, we've touched in on this, but let, let's, let's really have a look at this. We, we want to look at, you know, Scott and I are going to just spend a little bit of time. We're going to go through the glass now and we're going to go through the, this looking glass of ours. And we're going to just look at, are there times that, Cena could have that, that things would have worked. A, a Cena heel term would have made sense and would have worked, um, and how it might have looked. And I guess the first place, the first place I want to start, but I don't want to stay here long because I don't think we. I, I, I have a suspicion we'll probably agree on this. You mentioned before 06. You mentioned one night stand. He he played into the heel character for that one night. Um, but then we, we go back to who he was the, the, at Monday Night Raw. And, you know, the question to be asked is, is 06 the right time frame? Now, I, I'm going to say that straight away, and I don't know if you'll agree with this. I don't think 06 would have been the time for a heel turn. I think that, that one-night stand thing was a one-off. Um, he played into it correctly. And then I, I think they were still trying to find the way to get him accepted by the fans by all the fans again, which is like I said earlier, they started doing the whole monster of the month and 
and and put Cena as the underdog and put him in all those situations that have worked over the years to to um to get a guy over as a babyface. They hadn't done that with Cena yet, and so I think to turn him heel again in 06 would have been too soon. I think it would have been a signal that maybe they the Vince and the writers might have felt like they'd failed in their in their job if they'd turned him in 06. I think it was too early. I think that there was still a belief that if you got the right opponent, the, there'd be enough hatred of the opponent that would have everyone behind Cena. Would you agree with that or, or, or are you a different opinion? No, I agree with you 100%. The other thing that uh, precluded that from happening is that they were lined up for him to have a rematch uh, or a rebuilding feud with um, with Edge. Edge was set, you know, he was, he, he you know, because the fans hated, see, uh, they, they got pumped up when, uh, when he pulled the trigger on the on the inaugural money in the bank at New Year's Revolution and won the belt, and then literally two weeks later, Cena wins the belt back at the Rumble, and everybody hated him. Mm. Um, Edge would then, of course, enter into a feud with um, with Foley, and uh, Cena was slated to take on his first mega test of his medal as a champion. And that was, of course, uh, Triple H, and they would have that match at um, at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, uh, which Cena would win and would piss me off. Uh, <laughs> but, but, th- but therein therein lies therein lies part of where I'm coming from is that they were trying to put him with guys that they believed. Yeah, you talked about the guys that the, the wrestlers that the guy fans liked, but you know. And so that was that was part of the counter. But that's where I feel the company were trying to trying to put Cena in the in the role of, well, everyone hates Hunter. Everyone hates Hunter. All the all the all the on screen people, on the all the online people hate Hunter because of the political side of things. Mm-hmm. So the the belief was we put him against Hunter. And Cena will be, he'll be over, he'll be cheered. No, we won't get this 50-50 thing anymore. And obviously that didn't work. But yeah, but I think that that that, that, that to me that's part of the point is the whole the whole series and feud with with Hunter was their attempt to put him against someone they really believed the fans would not be cheering against Cena anymore, that they would all be on his side. Correct. And that didn't work because Triple H got a killer pop at uh at WrestleMania, and that, of course, would lead to him and Sean forming, uh, reforming uh, D-Generation X. The problem in 06 was, Dave, Edge was already the top heel on Raw. What would you have done with Edge if you had turned Cena heel in 06? Mm. You would have totally neutered Edge, and Edge would have Edge was already had already gone through his babyface run uh, for most of his mid-card years, of course, Wait, he, he just a, he just turned heel. He he'd only just yeah. turned heel in the past six months, right? You know, he he uh, he turned heel. Well, no, he was heel. He turned heel in like late '04 uh, because he was a heel when he won the Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 21. So he'd been a heel for a while. Because okay. you remember '05? Remember '05? He was dealing with all the Lita Matt Hardy stuff. Yeah. 
So but, no, he but he really, but he really found the character, I guess, by now, and and he yes. he yes, and he becomes someone, and I, I think there's very much in the in the in the classic Raven mold. People wanted to start to like him, and he could still get them to turn around and hate him. Uh, mm-hmm. Cena, so and, and Edge was the Edge had become a master of that, and yet it didn't work with when he wrestled Cena, well, that's another thing, but, but that's the thing that the edge heel character, he was one of those guys that was, had built that momentum and could get people to turn against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I think Oh six, probably I have to agree with you. Probably not the best time to, uh, to pull the trigger because you already had a strong edge as a heel and turning Cena heel would have totally destroyed edge because, you wouldn't have had any. And I think the other issue was too, uh, Dave, is that RVD, who I think Vince wanted to be a top baby face, uh, fucked up and got himself pinched again yes. for uh, for lighting up a little too much herb. And that was the end of that. So there was A, you would have left, Raw would have had an imbalance of not enough good baby faces and too many great heels. And so turning Cena heel in 06 would have, totally imbalance the creative 50 50 of the roster. So turning him heel in 06 just for the sake of it would have been a bad idea, I think, in the yeah. overall in the overall landscape of uh of Raw. Yep. No, I agree. So so we've got that out of the way. We we just want to yep. highlight to our listeners that, you know, you might people might say, well, what about 06? That's why not. So so Scott Throw me one. What's 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 one time that you feel that a a Cena heel turn would have worked? Uh, I think a great heel turn that would have worked. Uh, there were two. I have two on my mind. I'll go chronologically. The first one, and I think uh, I think it kind of fit naturally. Uh, might have been 2010 uh, when uh, the Nexus was going on. Uh, you know. At that time, he had spent most of 09 feuding with Orton because him and Orton always worked well together. But by 2010, you know, or, Cena would lose. He was champion. He'd lose the chamber. He'd win the chamber match. But then, you know, Vince came out to try to screw him and he and he lost to Batista. They had a lukewarm match at WrestleMania 26. Uh, that was okay, but it wasn't great. Um, so by then, I think Cena's face turn was definitely showing signs of 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 losing steam. And you had this epic bunch of young studs that were on this new show they were doing that you're trying to bring in fresh talent. And uh, Cena could have behind the scenes said, listen. You guys are getting booed. Nobody likes you. Listen, I know how this feels. All right. And I'm starting to feel like I'm losing my way here. Maybe it's time for me to uh, to get things fired up in this place and, and take some control that I thought I had, but clearly I don't. And instead of the, the will he, won't he tease thing throughout the summer and then bury them all at SummerSlam 2010 and then you know, the matches with him and Wade Barrett and then the matches with Barrett and Orton in 010 in 2010, which would eventually lead to the uh, to the uh, Money in the Bank win for The Miz. Um, Cena should have just come gone out when they ripped the shit out of the that that 
epic end of that episode of Raw, you know, where where Daniel Bryan's choking Justin Roberts with his tie, which led mm. him to getting like yeah. kayfabe fired. Cena should have come out instead of getting beat up. They should have like tore the place apart, and instead of beating Cena up, they should have Cena should have smiled at them and said, "That's exactly what this place needed." And just like, just like Hogan did at Bash at the Beach '96, he raises the hands of Wade Barrett and Otunga and Tarver mm. and all those guys, and then I think you would have seen uh, some substantial heel heat. Yeah, uh, because like the, the male fans don't love all didn't love all of the Nexus guys, but the women and the kids would have definitely and also and also uh, you would have gotten um, uh, the Nexus over as top flight heels going longer than they did. And you wouldn't have seen uh, you wouldn't have seen uh, Nexus get buried by the end of the summer and uh, by the end of the summer slam. Yeah, pretty much. They're just cooked. Half of them get fired. They break. They split them on other shows, turn them into the core. And then we know what happened after that. Um, You could have led this all the way into. WrestleMania 27 instead of that very lukewarm blase. Um, Cena Miz feud. What you could have done was had uh, Cena dominate Raw with the Nexus. Then you still could have had the Rock, and you still could have had the build to Rock and and Cena. And instead, though, the night after Mania, Cena and the Nexus beat the crap out of the Rock. And say, see you in Miami next year, old man. And then you keep the Nexus hot throughout 2011. And then eventually you build it up to uh, Rock and Cena. Real heel, real baby face at WrestleMania 28 in Miami. And mm-hmm. the Rock wins that match. Then, uh, you know, you could do whatever you want after that. But I think you could have really had a good build and a good stretch with Cena and the Nexus in 2010 to make them feel meaningful, get great heel heat and have Cena take out somebody that, um, is more liked than Cena was when he was a heel, when he was a face. Yeah. That's a risk you've got to take. And you got to find somebody who was a better baby face than Cena was. And if you're going to build this Rock Cena match, instead of just doing this once in a lifetime, two baby faces throwing jabs at each other, yada, 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 you have Cena now wearing a suit and maybe even grow some facial hair because that's what heels do. And like, you know, maybe like have a have a, a, a gimmick or something where you set all of his ugly T-shirts on fire or some kind of (laughs) some kind of of symbol of the old John Cena is gone. Yeah. I am now an elder statesman here. I need to protect this company and you people booing me is not making this easy. So to hell with you. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Was I I, reaching? 
No, I think I think it works. I, I actually I actually had 2010 as as a year that that would work from my p- opinion. So I'm in agreement with you. I might have taken it back a little bit. Earlier. I think you could have planted the seeds a little bit earlier. I okay. watched I watched that Batista Cena match as part of my um, my prep for for today. And oh. one of the things I agree it. it, it it, it was a bit lukewarmish. It didn't really seem to work. We know that Batista was was building to leave. What I feel was the problem with that part of the problem with that match was they did the sudden. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push Batista as the heel, have him lose on his way out the door because Batista was was on his way out. Um, which you know that that's typical typical booking. But I I really wonder if it might have worked a bit better if. You didn't try the the semi failed Batista turn because at WrestleMania he got a massive ovation when he came out. The fans were behind him for most of the match, like they always were. Mm-hmm. And I think you could have laid the the seeds of the heel turn in the build up between Cena and Batista. The whole thing that the fans keep cheering Batista over Cena. That yeah, you could he could even you know Batista could even start talking about how. We go all the way back, like you said, to 2004 and 2005. And you remember that Royal Rumble that I beat you? Um, you know, the fans the fans cheered me more. Yeah, you could do that sort of Batista being the cool, smart Alec. Um, still as the good guy, but hey, you know, you can't, nothing you can do can phase me. You could have these signs that throughout the build-up, Cena starting to get more frustrated starting to struggle a little bit more that no matter what he does, you know, Batista is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. At, at Mania, you're still, you know, both of it, you don't do the heel turn yet, but maybe at Mania you do the, you've got the match pretty well as, as it was and the fans didn't react very well and Batista on the way out, you can still have Cena win it, but you could have Cena win it maybe with, he won with, by submission, and I don't think anyone liked that. It didn't. I mean, it was the way of you know, Batista's gone. We know he's gone, so he tapped out. But maybe you could have had Cena struggling to get the win, like we like he did. Like they both gave each other the finishes. You almost, mm-hmm. almost very much like the Austin Rock finish, where it's like Austin got more and more frustrated that he couldn't put Rock away. You could have Cena getting frustrated, he can't put him away. I wouldn't go the full on again. He finds a way to win by cheating. He pulls the tights. He puts a foot on the rope or he does something that is a bit heelish, but he doesn't completely play into it yet. And then, so he's, he's almost what you've got in that one night stand thing where he starts to play it to the crowd during the match, but he's still the good guy character. And then coming out of it, you've got that build like you've got. Everything I do, you all keep keep booing me. You know, this place isn't what it's meant to be. And you could lead into the – then you can build into what you did, what you suggested with the Nexus. I think right. that you could, you could build it out, but I think you could lay the foundations of it with that almost turn him heel in the Batista match. But with what you presented with – I loved what you presented with he takes control of – runs Nexus and brings them in – I think that works even better. And so you could lay the foundations and then coming out of mania, start to build it into 
well, I'm going to get these guys and they're going to, you know, I'm going to show, you know, they're going to see that the fans aren't, aren't worth it. And now, and, and so he takes control and that nexus, that the final element of the heel turn is him coming out, like you said, and working with the nexus that night and raising their hands and like, we're the unit. And, and, you know, this, you, you could probably, that would allow all the stuff you said after that. They run rough shot for, for months and months, and he, he he beats up Michaels, and he beats you know he beats up Sean, and he beats up you know you know face after face, and you know you could even do the whole you know you know Bret Hart, you know he could he could beat up Bret Hart, you know he doesn't even need to be a match, yes. he could just do it as an angle, beat up Bret Hart, and beat up you know all these all these guys, and maybe even the Nexus. Do a beatdown on the Undertaker at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or something like that. Yeah, you know, or Royal Rumble. Like you could do a different elements where he targets all those long-term faces, all those long-term guys that everyone's cheering to build to. And here comes the Rock. The Rock yep. is that last vestige, that last guy that the fans are behind, and he hasn't been able to take down yet. Um, it's almost like the. John Cena's revenge on the fans is to take out everyone that they cheer over him um, and, and build to the rock. I, I think that would, that would have worked really well. And you know, what's, you know what I want to, I want to support on that, on your theory there, Dave, you know, who was, and I remember saying this a lot, you know, who was really getting over as a pretty big face, the back end of that year, Randy Orton. Yes. And, and I think you could, because I feel like Cena and Orton can't be faces or heels at the same time, mm. uh, you know, um, and you could build to rock. Cena could eventually win the belt and you could have rock uh, help Cena or rock help uh, Orton at some point win the world title and lead to their match at uh, uh, at Mania. And yeah. if you don't want Cena to lose. Uh, they seem to kind of tease the fact that Vince kind of liked Wade Barrett as the face of the Nexus. You could have had him be world champion at some point and have maybe either at Survivor Series or at the 2011 Rumble, uh, you have Orton win the title and go and maybe Orton feud with Miz. Because oh, I feel mm. like Miz cashed in on Orton and Orton never really got that match back. No. You know, like he must have at some point. I don't think it was the Rumble. Maybe it was the Rumble. No, he wrestled Sheamus at the Rumble, I think. I don't remember. But I feel like Orton never really got that shot back. So you could have, instead of, you know, you could, you could have had one of the Nexus maybe win the Money in the Bank. Um, or you could have... Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, we could go down this rabbit hole. Of course, we're we can go down through this very long looking glass. We have some <laughs> other looking glass. We have some other looking glass possibilities we got to discuss. But you know, you could have done something with the title or whatever. But I love your thinking of the Johns, the revenge. You know, like the that Orton mm. had the Legend Killer tour. Cena had the revenge, the fan revenge tour. I'm going to take out everybody that you like more than me to the point where you have to like me because there's nobody left. Yeah. And and, you know? and 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 of course the 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 the, the walk along storyline with that would then be because you're building Nexus and he's working with them is someone like Wade Barrett and and I always liked Wade Barrett I think there was a I lot of upside to him you could have done the classic second in charge 
who's really the leader sort of thing. So you could have, in the longer term, then you could have either built that Wade Barrett starts getting, you know, the fans maybe start to see Wade Barrett as something good and then Cena maybe turns on him and you could have built Wade Barrett to the point that he gets booted out of Nexus and he and Cena feud or Wade Barrett wants to usurp control. And that could be your, your final way to turn Cena back to a baby face in the future would be he gets booted out when because of how over Nexus are, Wade Barrett is maybe now the guy who is jealous of Cena, wants to run the show, and now they boot him out. You, you, It was never about you, Cena. It was always about us. And you're just holding us back the way everyone else did, and now we're going to take you down too. So he sort of after Cena beats everyone else, you could have Wade Barrett be the one to sort of now I'm going to, you know, one way or the other, he could either turn Wade Barrett face and and you boot him out and they feud, or you could have Wayne, Wade Barrett rise up and be the turn on Cena as the you were never one of us. Even up these two years or 18 months or however long you've been working with us, it was always us and not you. And then, and then you move on from there and you've built Barrett up and probably a couple of other members of the Nexus in the process. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think the whole having uh uh having the um nexus turn on him to get him back to babyface uh could be very interesting could be very interesting hmm. um i kind of dig that i kind of dig that um so all right so we can establish the 2010 is uh a pretty solid uh option for john cena to turn heel Hmm. Okay. Uh, you go next, Dave. We'll we'll snake it. What's your what's your uh, what what what? Uh, All right. Well, I'm I'm going to move us ahead. I'm going to move us ahead twelve months. I'm going to put us into okay. twenty. I'm going to put us into twenty eleven. Okay. okay. Uh, we we've already done a, a full episode on the CM Punk, the Summer of Punk in twenty eleven. And if you haven't yep. listened to it, I encourage you go back into the archives and listen. That that was a really fun episode. It was um, absolutely. It was. But I think I think the summer of punk highlights another opportunity because punk had been built up so much and that and that win over Cena at at Money in the Bank was such a great moment and we've talked about how they botched the the, the storyline coming out. I think coming out of Money in the Bank, you could have. Uh, I think you had another opportunity for a Cena heel turn because punk was very quickly had moved into that number one babyface role. And part of part of Punk's uh, anger and frustration had been at how Cena consistently gets presented at the top of the, of the card and no matter what, he's at the top. And I love – one of the things I really loved in the build to that Money in the Bank match was CM Punk's line in one of his promos where he's, he's talking to – and I think it was the first week – uh, when he did the, I think it's the, um, the the pipe bomb promo, where he basically says to Cena, you've become everything you despise. You've become the New York Yankees. Um, you know, that you've become the franchise. You always wanted to be right. not seen in that role, but you're the franchise player and you're the, the dynasty now. Um, and I always loved that line. I always thought, could you imagine if coming out of Money in the Bank, the build coming out of there ended up being 
the development of the authority, Triple H getting Nash in and, and then Triple H himself, sort of Cena ends up dealing with Nash and Hunter and, and all that in, in the following months. And we talked about that before. But imagine if in his frustration at what happened and maybe even some of the realization that maybe some of the things Punk said was true, imagine if Triple H utilizes John Cena as the face of the authority. Um, you come out, you've got that build to SummerSlam. You know, they do the tournament. Cena wins the tournament. We have our, our rematch, which wasn't as good, but it is okay. But imagine if going through that tournament, all of a sudden it became Hunter is supporting and backing Cena. And he wants Cena to win it because Cena is the franchise. He has been our face. He has been for all these years the face of the company. When all the fans, you didn't like it, we still pushed him as the face of the company because he presents well. He he has a good image. He's good on camera. He's good with the kids. And he's the man we want as our front guy. So all of a sudden, he's got Cena pushing him and, and, and Cena, uh, sorry, Hunda pushing him and Cena plays into it. He accepts it. He starts working with Hunter. He starts maybe wearing the suits, the dressing up a little bit nicer. And then instead of getting this Kevin Nash crap that we got, you could play into everything is about the, the, the authority trying to get Cena back into that position and, and, and Punk consistently knocking it down. And then Punk can have his matches with Alberto and he can, he can move on to the Jericho stuff, but the whole way through that Cena is the front man for the authority so that Hunter doesn't have to get in the ring. It's Cena who does the work. Cena is that franchise player. And so when you move into 2012 and you have that SummerSlam match with, um, with Daniel Bryan, where they brought in, you know, they brought in uh, Orton afterwards. It, it could, you could have just done it with Triple H. You know, Cena is anything that Hunter does, it's to benefit Cena because Cena is the image that the company wants to portray. And if he, sit, if he played into it, I think you would have had a really interesting story arc of Cena, the corporate sellout. Cena, the guy who he doesn't have to change a heck of a lot because he can still be pushed as, you know, he can still be appearing in interviews and still dressing nicely for for interviews on on the Today Show and on the, you know, morning shows and whatever other interviews they want to get him to do. He can almost play up the, I haven't changed. This is who I've always been. And I've always been the man who's put the company first. And I'm just continuing to do that. But, you know, it's these other guys that, you know, the fans, I'm still for you fans. I'm still working for you because Punk is just a, he's a rebel. He's, he's, he, he puts, you know, he, he's trying to cause trouble here or Daniel Bryan doesn't fit the image. And so he doesn't suit it or, or whoever they wanted to put him against. He could play the corporate role in a, in a way that hadn't been seen before. Uh, I kind of like that. I kind of like that, actually. Um, the only thing I'm the only thing that concerns me there is. Do you eventually get 
the the rock match or do you say or, or is that something we save or blow off or never happen um if we take that out of the equation and that's fine because i i was ambivalent to it anyway um Well, again, I the think, rock, the rock thing can come out with the whole you, you bailed on the company. I mean, you, you've got some of the elements that they used in real in in the reality of the storyline anyway. You bailed on the company. You left. You you went to Hollywood, and I've been the man who's held this company together while you've been off in Hollywood. Um, you can still build to that match. Yeah, good point. And I and think it, pl- uh, and it plays and it plays into the history between Rock and Hunter as well. Yes. Um, oh, yes, definitely. Because I love that. There's that. Oh, there's that classic. Um, I think it was a Raw. It was a backstage segment where Hunter was in the office and Rock comes in and they and they do the whole. I'm better than you. And they, they, it was almost that groundwork for they're going to have another match at some point, but they never did. You could you could you could use that same sort of promo, but well, you're going to face my man. You can face John Cena. Mm. Okay. I'm game for that. I'm game for that. I think think that would work. I think it would definitely put Punk over Mm. as the new fate, as as a, you know, a a top flight guy. His gear sells. Um, So if you're going to sacrifice... um, Maybe Cena's merch taking a hit because he's a heel, particularly with Triple H, who nobody likes, and I only mm. would be the one buying his shirts. Uh, maybe I would buy Cena shirts. Maybe he dated one new customer if he lost all of the kids. <laughs> but uh, but but Punk stuff sold just as much as Cena stuff by 2012. Mm. So I think that's a wonderful idea. I don't think you change anything else creatively. I still think you have Sheamus win the Rumble and do the whole thing with Daniel Bryan because you know that's on the other show. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that would make a fascinating matchup in my, uh, a fascinating WrestleMania, uh, in Miami. So that would be, that would be different. I think it'd be very different. Um, yeah, I, I think I like that, that, that plan, Dave. I think that works good for, it, it benefits punk. We didn't really, and, and I'm glad that you, you brought that up because again, please, I really reiterate what Dave said. If this is your first episode of the show you're listening to, again, welcome. But start from the beginning after this. And our our, our debut episode was about the summer of punk, 11 into 12. So please check it out after you, after you finish this one. But we didn't really delve into the whole uh, Cena stuff or who else would be a heel really at that time. We kind of just meandered through punk and different types of opponents for him. But having Cena in that role in late 11 as now you are the franchise. Now you're the, you're the thing you hated nine years ago. You bitched and moaned about, you know, I'm fresh. I'm ruthless aggression. The rock's gone. Stone cold's gone. You know, all this other stuff. I'm, you know, we're in a new era of WWE creative. And now fast forward nine years and you're the, you know, you're the Triple H, you're mm. the Rock, you're the Stone Cold. And the thing that you hated nine years ago, you are now. Yeah. I'm you, and that's why I'm you, John, and that's why everybody likes me and nobody yeah. likes you. And I may, imagine, I just you know? I just had this thought, imagine a T-shirt. I mean, we talk about merchandise, but imagine a T-shirt. And I, I know there would be 
it maybe wouldn't sell as much, but Cena coming out wearing a T-shirt that basically has like the Yankees, the Patriots, and him. Sort of like, you know, because that's that's who the franchise the franchise were, you know, the the Pats, which is New England, where he's from, the Yankees that you know have dominated baseball over the years, and then himself. You, you have got this image of I'm the franchise, I'm the best of the best. Um, you know, it would it would generate heat. It would generate heat big time. All the people that hate the Pats. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And he, I mean, him being a Boston guy, you know, that's even better. That then you you kind of take the pop culture aspect of it, connect him with arguably the most hated franchise, the most hated franchise of everybody at that time in the NFL. And then on top of it, compare him to a team that he himself probably despises. Mm. So I like that, Dave. I like that a lot. Um, all right. My second uh, my other option that I had in my head is also an authority-driven situation, but we're fast-forwarding a few years, a couple of years. I'd like to fast-forward to 2014. Um, we're after the Daniel Bryan stuff, uh, because obviously the easy heel turn would be instead of Orton – as the chosen one, you make Cena the chosen one at yeah. that TLC 2013. Turn him heel. He's the authority puppet, and he puts over Daniel Bryan in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania in, in New Orleans. And hmm. but I, I I don't totally like that idea. I still love. I, I actually like what actually ended up happening. Um, so I'm going to leave that one alone. However, I'm going to go. Fast forward to the back end of 2014, okay? And we get to Survivor Series and the whole Authority versus Cena's crew and everything and all that shit with, uh, all that shit with, uh, uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler and all these guys. And, of course, we know on that night, uh, Sting would make his debut. His Well, I guess his debut. And the next night on Raw... Kind of the same thing with the uh, kind of the same thing with the Seth Rollins um, heel turn earlier in the year. You have a uh, you have a Sting come out face Triple H the night after Raw and say, "I'm here to you know you're the re- you're you're one of the reasons I never wanted to come here." And Triple H goes, well, that's okay. I got somebody that's better than you anyway and always will be. And John Cena comes out and beats the shit out of Sting. And instead of Triple H and Sting at WrestleMania 31 in in, in, uh, uh, Santa Clara, you've got Sting versus John Cena, the corporate face of WWE. And... I think you would get a ton of uh, heel heat mm. out of that. Um, we don't need to deal with any taker, uh, you know, Triple H Sting and DX and NWO and all these extra fucking guys and all this crap. You have the authority, the face of WWE, 
Mm. This is WWE Sting. This is not WCW. Maybe you were the face of WCW. Hell, you were the face of Impact. But you will never be the face of WWE. And as for Undertaker and Steve Austin and The Rock and all these other guys that you had to go up against back in those days, none of them can hold a candle to me. And you, you're just a broken down old Eric Draven wannabe. Eric Draven, of course, <laughs> is, is the character in The Crow, for those of you that don't know. Uh, and why you came here now, I have no idea. Probably to get a paycheck and some T-shirts. But the fact remains is I am the face of this company. Not Steve Austin. Not The Undertaker. Like, fire off all the good baby faces. I am. I always have been. And I always will be. And just because the fans don't want to buy my t-shirts anymore, at this point in my career, I'm all about being the face. Mm. He could say that he could say the face that runs the place before uh, AJ Styles did. Yeah. And and uh, and at WrestleMania 31, I am going to drop you. I'm going to take your crappy memory of being the face of that crap company, WCW, and I'm going to bury it like Vince wants me to. And you even have Vince starting to come out as part of the authority. And you have Cena be the ultimate sellout scumbag. And be like, you know, some of our fans kind of like WCW. You know, well, they're idiots. They were idiots in 1997, 98 when they watched it. And they're idiots now for cheering you, you broken down old man. And they could really lay the wood on Sting uh, for the next few months. And then you have this amazing Sting-Cena match. Uh at WrestleMania 31. And I don't care who wins. doesn't matter to me. I guess it depends on how far <laughs> you want the... I guess, I guess it depends, Dave, on how far you want it to go. If you want it to end mm. right there, then you just have Sting win. But if you want to carry it over to, say... Oh. Say, throughout 2015, maybe hold off on... Seth Rollins winning money in the bank and instead you have Cena win money in the bank and he's always carrying the briefcase and then suddenly out of nowhere he's the one that wins the WWE title and he's the one that holds it throughout 2015 and he's the one that goes face to face with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas not Triple H mm. and then you get the crossing over Dave of generations that the, the, the hand the, the passing of the torch yeah the guy who currently is getting shoved down our throats versus the guy that used to get shoved <laughs> down our throats but maybe maybe dave with heel cena you perhaps get you perhaps get a stronger baby face roman reigns yeah, I, I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think I think that 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 would work really well. I like the idea of the franchise versus the franchise and 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 Cena working Sting. I think um, with Sting, I think that one of the things that would have helped is John Cena's style of wrestling. I think would have suited Sting a lot better than. Unfortunately, what he ran into with Seth Rollins down the track, um, I think Seth Rollins, being, Seth being a lot more athletic and and just the way he approaches, you know, we know that Sting got hurt and you now I know it was there was no intent and there, it, it's, but 
I don't know that he would have had a similar issue against Cena because Cena doesn't work that style of match. Would have worked a match that very well would have played to Sting's strengths. So I think you would have had a really good match at, at Mania. I think you would have had a really good, it would have created a good dynamic and you could play into that that franchise tag. Here is the franchise player from WCW and and Cena building the whole the whole storyline around, like you said, this isn't WCW. I'm the franchise here. I'm the I'm the king. I'm the boss. I'm the mm-hmm. one in charge. And 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 again, you know, carry it carry it through to to the following year and and this upstart Roman Reigns. And um, you're trying to take what what what's mine. This is my empire. You know, you walk around calling it your yard, but this is my empire. Um, your yard's in my empire. And um, and 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 allow yeah, it might, it might have seen that Reigns um, Reigns may have received a bit more of a favourable reaction, although I think they would have hoped the same thing against Hunter. So you know, again, that comes down to how they how they booked Roman. Um, but again, maybe if they had pumped a Cena heel turn at some point, the backlash might not have been as severe against Roman because what what um, what all the fans were, were annoyed at is, apart from the fact that we had the Daniel Bryan issue the year before, but I don't think that ever really that, – that impacted Batista more than it did you – know, I mean, it, yeah, the year before where it impacted Batista and Roman was being cheered then. Then he's being pushed and, and the whole, we want Bryan, Bryan should be there, you know. I think that if they'd done a Cena heel turn earlier or even as part of this storyline, maybe – the 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 backlash might not have been as much because people would be sitting there going, but they did eventually turn Cena heel, and right now we're happy that he's a heel, and we want Reigns against Cena. We want to see that. We want to see that, and we'd like to see Roman get up. They could keep Roman in that underdog sort of role and 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 build him up a bit more. So I think it would have worked because it would allow them to redo the storyline a little bit with with Roman Reigns's build and maybe have him presented in a little bit of a different way. So I, I like that one. I think, I think that one would work well also. I think we've, we've come up with some good ideas there. Mm. Absolutely. Though, honestly, at this point, and then at that point, Dave, I, think, I don't think there's any other options. Because at that point, by the time you get to 16, 17, uh, he's kind of part-time at that point. Um, and... Uh, you know, AJ Styles gets here. They have that feud. I'm fine keeping Cena face for that. And then that's pretty much that by that point, by 2018 or whatever, Cena's pretty much a uh, uh, Cena's oh, I, pretty I much agree a with that. I think, I think, um, I think once you get post 2016, there's something that alters in the in the crowd. I think, I think yeah. post post 2016, people number one. People have accepted that it's never going to happen. But because Cena – in fact, I actually think the change happened a little bit earlier. I'll, I'm going to get to this in just a minute. Let, let me do my last thought process, and then I want to talk oh, okay. about – want to talk about – look, this is just a short one. This, is, this isn't – I mean, look, we, I, I, I just – I raised this as a way that Cena could have been booked as a heel that I think would have worked, um, that would have made for an interesting storyline – um, but 
we don't need to spend too much time into that. And and that, and that realistically is is just taking it into. Um, I probably u- utilize it in in twenty fourteen, um, but but it could have been done any year. You could do it any year, and that really is um, time in with with the Undertaker's streak. Um, you could you could have a way to turn oh. Cena heel would have been to have him go after the streak and to turn heel in doing it. So not the whole Shawn Michaels or, or Triple H thing of I've got to prove myself or I've got to do this, but but very much the whole Undertaker. You know, this is you, you talk about this being your yard, but until I beat you. I'm, you know, I haven't, I've got to beat you at Mania to prove who I am. But then in the process of it, not trying to do it as the, realizing he can't do it without turning heel, he's got to turn heel. And you get a full on heel turn at the beginning of the build up. Um, and Cena can start cutting promos on, on Undertaker about being a part timer, about not being around. Um, and you could, like I said, you could do this in 14. You could have done, you probably could have done this anytime from about, 2008 or 2009 this 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 storyline would work anytime between 09 and and probably 20 2014 2015 if you didn't have him um take a lose to brock you could have taken it a year or two longer but i think anywhere in that time frame you do a storyline where it's about he's got he's coming for taker's streak the fans wouldn't because we, we talked about this we've talked about this when we talked about taker's streak how the fans would it it was always that that image of well would they put Cena over because he is you know has the way they push him it could very easily have been something that would have been acceptable and the fans wouldn't have wanted it so they could have played into it and had Cena turn heel in the process of going for it but you have Undertaker beat him um, to to keep the streak intact whenever they face I wouldn't have had Cena take the streak. But I think a heel turn going for the streak would have worked. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a a, a very um, uh, easy and clear way to turn to to, uh, to get Cena to turn heel. Um, somewhere in that stretch, I, I hate to take away either of the Shawn Michaels matches or either of the Triple H matches from WrestleMania's 25 through 28. But somewhere in that window, um, I think you could see uh, Cena break the streak. Because after that, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, like, for instance, um, because at that point, Cena was already established. And if you think people got pissed off in New Orleans for Brock breaking the streak, imagine if in the mid 2010s, you have seen it break the streak. Then you really would have imploded the company. Uh, but I, because... I don't think you would have needed to have broken the streak. You could exactly. have could and have I turned think that's him heel and made it work. Mm. Right. It, but I think a good spot, you know, maybe, uh, uh, Dave, you could have done it. Maybe Sean and Taker don't have the rematch in Phoenix and you build to Cena. Um, you know, Cena and Taker at 26, but, um, but, uh, see, that would have been tough somewhere in that four, 
you're what stretched. if you would what if you were to play off it? What if you were to play off it? Mm-hmm. The two Michaels matches happen. The following yep. year, Hunter can't get it done. But instead of doing the second Hunter Taker match, you have Cena coming out that year saying, Michaels tried two years in a row. He couldn't do it. He's considered one of the best ever. Hunter came out last year. He couldn't do it. He's considered one of the best ever. I'm better than both of them. I'm better than both of them would ever have been. He can start doing some of his heel rappy style to do some of this. And he's basically... I am the greatest that has ever been, and I'm going to prove it when I take down The Undertaker. And then, you know, maybe when The Undertaker does one of the confrontations, like, you know, he always had the lights go out, he turns up, he stares them all down, and that's all he does. In the middle of that, Cena picks up a chair and wallops him or hits him with brass, you know, cheap shots him and does a beat down to solidify the heel turn and then and then run from there. But you could do it, you could do it after. Hunter didn't get the win either because then it can really play into Cena being the I'm the best of the best. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what they couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you could have cemented Cena uh, as the guy. And I think fans down the line would probably not have regretted it, nor would the company have, because I still think deep in people's minds. I still think they're pissed off that it was Brock Lesnar that did it. And then eventually, mm. obviously, three years later, uh, you know, him and C- him and um, Roman would have that match in Orlando. That's that's not very good. And that's well documented in the uh, Undertaker, the last ride documentary, because. Um, mm. uh, because Taker admits that he was not in the best of shape, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't execute any moves. I mean, he would they was he was a shit show. So and and we ta- and we talked about that when we did our Undertaker episode, when we did our streak episode a couple episodes right. ago. Yeah, right. um, yeah, we talked about it as part of our Mania uh, episode. Um, so I think there were definitely, I think we've come up with some ama- some great examples, Dave, of in Cena's prime, even reaching the lip of twenty fourteen fifteen when he was just finally starting to, um level out as an everyday worker and slowly starting to get into moderate part-time status by, you know, say 20, you know, 17, he'd have that tag match with uh, mm. Nikki Bella, which of course is a mess because they're not together anymore. And then uh, uh, New Orleans, he doesn't even wrestle. <laughs> yeah. No, him mm. and Taker have that three minute, whatever that was in New Orleans. And then, um, uh, and then by by you know WrestleMania ninth uh, WrestleMania thirty five he's not even there I was it I was at MetLife and he came out with the with the you know did the he did the thugonomics thing which brought a pop because mm. he came out with the uh, with the Yankee but, jersey but, with Babe Ruth jersey um, and 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 yeah and but there's but therein lies where I was getting at before I think sort of once we come through twenty sixteen something changed with the fan base and it was that realization that Cena's not being pushed down our throats anymore. He, he is a part-timer. He has earned respect. He, when he turns up, you're going to be entertained. And he moved into the element where the fans are happy to see him and the fans do cheer him. And he turns up now, the fans cheer him. The fans like him. I mean, I was in, I was in Melbourne when he came out and, 
and and did it, you know, did a thing with Elias at the Super Showdown down here in down here in Australia. The the place went nuts. He, he got the sick, second biggest reaction of the night, um, behind Buddy Murphy when Buddy the, the local boy came out and won the the cruiserweight title. But yeah, you know, Cena has demonstrated, I think, since 2016 that he he's earned the respect now, and because he's not the the front face in every main event now people are happy to see him because he he only comes occasionally and he's and he's well received when he does come now so so it's it's turned it's turned full so we've gone a full 360 degrees now and and people like cena and people want to see him and people are happy when they when he comes out yeah absolutely and at this point um yeah at this point i think uh uh, obviously, you know, Cena's made a great career for himself. Uh, we didn't get the natural heel turn. Um, and we probably had, again, probably three opportunities. You, I'll say the two, our two 2010s and the 2011 kind of could blend into one. And I think the 14, I really like that my 14, 15 leading into to Cena Roman at, at WrestleMania 32. I think that would actually be pretty great. Mm. Um, but, um, we definitely don't like him in 2006. That's one thing we could both agree on. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, especially, uh, cause that one night he had at one night stand is so great. Um, it, it seemed like a great snapshot that would not have been as well executed over a long period of time. Um, because, and, and you know what, the problem was RVD would have got, still would have got caught and, uh, uh, RVD still would have got caught and, uh, uh, they would have had to like return Cena face. Um, and then it would have been, that would have been it. You wouldn't be able to do it again. So of all of our discussions tonight and all of our scenarios, I think not turning him heel in 2006 still was a, is still the safest. I think it's an absolute bona fide. Yes, not turning him heel yeah. is correct. But I like our other options. Um, anything else, uh, Dave? Anything else uh, we can we can uh, we can add here to the back end before we uh, before we exit stage? No, I think uh, I think that's that's a pretty good. You know, I, I think we've done a pretty good job of just of, of, of throwing out a couple of ideas. And, and like I said at the beginning, I think we've seen that the way I, I think we've seen that it, it would have worked because WWF have proven that they can still do it with how they dealt with Roman Reigns. And I think one of the the things I'll say, I, I, I've, I've made it. People who've listened before know I, I I'm not very high on the current product. I'm not I'm not I'm re- I really struggle watching the current product. But if there's one thing I will give credit to, it is how they have um, done this Roman Reigns heel turn and how they have built it over the past what what is it now 18 months? Are we we're coming up to two years nearly, aren't we? Of of this of this heel run, and um and it, it is it is a compelling character and 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 it's. It's really they've done a very good job uh, with it, and it's it's changed a lot of people's perceptions of Roman Reigns. So I think they learned their lesson from John Cena, 
and I think they've they've realised that sometimes you you've got to go with what the crowd are wanting, um, with where there might be a little bit of short term struggle in the initial stages. In the longer term, it's going to play out better, and I think that's what we've seen with Roman Reigns because he really now is the face of the company. Um, and John Cena, and all that time, John Cena was presented as the face, but I don't think it was until just as he moved into that part-time role that he was ever really accepted as the it was probably around the time of Rusev the the whole US Open Challenge thing that people were really willing to accept that Cena was the number one guy from a from a from a fan standpoint they everyone was always looking to try is there someone else and um and it was sort of at that point it was like oh, I guess he is the number one guy mm, exactly well, everybody, I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, trip through the Looking Glass. Uh, we knew a Cena heel turn episode was inevitable, and uh, uh, I think we did a I think we did a pretty good job. I think we did some good justice. Uh, Dave, where can uh, where can everyone find you? Um, as always, uh, you can catch me lurking the uh, the, the Facebook pages and the, and the chat pages. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm Dave Hall on on facebook and you, you'll see me lurking around and feel free to drop me a message uh hit me up for a chat reach out to me i'd love to love to you know hear your feedback and and all that you can also hear me um on a on a pretty regular but probably almost every two two and a half weeks over on the north south um connection network um the the no so daily you'll hear me uh popping up mm-hmm. uh once every couple of weeks on no so daily um by the time this drops i think the this is dropping uh the day after this episode drops, you're going to hear me over. You can catch me over on the No So Network. I'm going to be uh, looking at the classic Jake the Snake Roberts versus Randy Macho Man Savage from Saturday night's main event in 1986. Uh, I've got that match. I'm going to be reviewing that match. So that's going to really encourage you to pop over and, and listen to that. So, and um, you never know, I, I might be popping up elsewhere. Uh, soon uh we might just uh i might just just leave leave that as a little subtle uh a little uh a little seed to be planted you might hear me in in a in a uh, in another in another featured podcast on this network very soon yes i i like the sound of that as well uh listen and when you reach out to dave or of course reach out to our our uh, our twitter uh at ptb and wrestling if you have a looking glass idea, Dave and I are open to suggestions. Uh, you know, if you've if you've if you're listening to this show for the first time and this is your first episode, um, listen to the others before you reach out to Dave for an idea because we may have already done it. Uh, so when you listen to all the episodes and you think you may have a pretty good, uh, uh, you think you may have a uh, an idea that Dave, you think Dave and I could would like to do, uh, re- again, reach out to Dave. Or reach out to me on Twitter at Scott C. Podfather, or of course uh, on the brand uh, Twitter at PTBN Wrestling, and let us know uh, what you would like us to, what what journey through the Looking Glass you'd like Dave and I to do. Uh, I know Dave's already got one in his head for this coming June. We have a couple through the summer, but once we get into the fall, we're going to definitely need some. Uh, we're definitely going to need some ideas. So please reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Of course, let us know what you think of all the shows here on the PTB wrestling network. It's been a big week here. Uh, we have a new episode this coming week of, of this week that today's Wednesday. If you're listening to this, when it drops tomorrow, Thursday, we have a new episode of highway to the impact zone. 
uh, Friday, new episode of NWA Crock and Roll. Of course, this weekend, new episode of uh, the NWA Saturday special. That always ready pay-per-view is building and building. And Dr. G and I'll give you all the details on it. And uh, all the other great shows here on the uh, PTB Wrestling Network. So, everybody have a wonderful uh, Wednesday here in the middle of May. Uh, Enjoy when we talk to you again. It'll be in June. So, uh, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend at the end of the month. Just remember uh, to remember all of those who sacrificed to give us that holiday here in the States. Um, And uh, we will talk to you in June when we travel again through the Looking Glass.